I'm Jock Wilson, and this is Football North, the Grey Cup edition. Grey Cup 109 goes in Regina, and as much as it pains me to admit it, uh, this really is a marquee matchup for the Canadian Football League. The modern-day dynasty of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a franchise record, 15 wins during the regular season. Hey, everybody knows they're looking for their third straight championship. And you've got the best team in the East, the biggest market in the league, the Toronto Argonauts. Who do I think is going to win? Well, that's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Who do I want to win? That's the Toronto Argonauts. But we'll we'll get to that a little bit later on here on the podcast as we set up the game, reflect back on some of our favorite Grey Cup memories. Let's welcome in Morley Scott, the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Elks on 630 Chet, and joining us from Regina, the Queen City, the host of the 109 Grey Cup Championship, Derek Taylor, the play-by-play voice of the Bombers on CJOB. Maybe just set the scene, Derek. Uh, does it feel like a Grey Cup uh, week in, in Regina? Well, it, it, it feels disappointing that you want the Argos to win, I think, first and foremost. <laughs> I'm very saddened to hear that this historic event, I think only four times in history has a team won three straight Grey Cups, and you don't want to see it? Morley's team has two. The team I call for can't have one? Come on, man. That hurts. That hurts. Uh, but uh, I'll get over it. Yeah, it's uh, – so uh, Regina, the last time there was a Grey Cup here was 2013. It was beyond freezing the mm-hmm. entire week long. It, it did lighten up for the Grey Cup, but Greg Yelling said when we saw him yesterday, he said it, it, that was the coldest I ever felt it, and it was my first year in Canada. Uh, it, so everything else is gravy since then. Uh, this week is going to be fantastic. Like It'll be cold Thursday by Friday, Saturday, game day Sunday. They're looking for a high of minus two. This is perfect football, football weather, and uh, yeah, we'll start to see the fans trickle into town I would suspect a lot of blue and gold is going to make its way down to Trans-Canada for this one because, I mean, one, the, the Bombers are a favorite. getting They're pushing it out to about, almost a touchdown now favorite over the Argos. And two, like we were joking about, the history. Three straight Great Cups doesn't have – three straight titles in any sport does not happen a lot. I don't know if the uh, – are the Chicago Bulls the last one that comes to the top of mind? Like this is, this is a once-in-a-long-time happening potentially on Sunday. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. Uh, let, let's start with one of my pet peeves in the Canadian Football League because here we are for the showcase event and home radio gets shut out. <laughs> Morley Scott, it happened to you uh, at 630 yeah. Ched where you couldn't call the Elks or the Eskimos winning a championship. It's happened to you, Derek Taylor, as well. I don't know, am I just sour grapes here or is this is this something the CFL has to look at? Well, I think I think it is something they have to look at. They look at the big picture, the national picture, right? And that's a national broadcast. And I think it was the radio broadcast was negotiated into the TV rights at the time. And I think that's why it works this way. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is unfortunate because I am a, a strong believer that uh, the guys who call the game all year, fans, when your team wins the Great Cup, they want to hear that guy mm-hmm. tell you about it if they're listening on radio. They don't want to hear a national guy who's not as close to the team and it doesn't mean as much to them, uh, you know, who are going into the game neutral, right? They don't, it doesn't matter to them who wins. They're just putting on a broadcast for both markets. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I don't like it at all. It happened, as you mentioned to, to us here, uh, Dave Campbell and I had to sit in the press box and watch the Grey Cup game in 2015 uh, in Winnipeg. We did a, a big pregame show and we did a big postgame show, but it's just not the same. I, although it did provide me with, with one of my good memories from the Grey Cup uh, because, you know, we always do the games, right? The press, uh, the, the postgame show when we interview 
interview players. We're always in the booth. The players have the headset on down in the dressing room. I had never been in the Elks dressing room post-game. And uh, <laughs> I got to go in the dressing room post-game that night. And I got to see and 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 watch the, the party and the celebration and got a little uh, champagne and a little beer spilt on me all, along the way. So that, to <laughs> me, was is one of my memories of that 2015 game uh, because I haven't been in the Elks dressing room uh, before or since after a, after a game. So it was a, it was a pretty cool experience for me seeing the Grey Cup up close and seeing the players celebrate it up close. Fair enough. Derek Taylor, your, your first season is voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and it does kind of bite that you don't get to call the game. Well, it, it, it does. It, it would have been nice, but I think the bigger thing is uh, TV sports broadcasts on radio unless they're specifically designed for both are terrible. Yeah. Like they're, they're terrible for, for the reasons of the, there are certain advantages TV has, right? Like uh, Rod Smith and Glenn Suter who will kill it on the, on the TV broadcast. They don't have to say second and eight from the, uh, from the Winnipeg 15, three receivers into the right. Kalaros in shotgun. Oh, he has to spray out to his right. Like they, because we can see that on the TV, right? So at home listening to the radio, you're going to be kind of guessing, what's happening and trying to do the nobody's doing the math at home about where's the ball They're They're just going to let it wash over them as radio broadcast too. So I've always found listening to TV on the radio to be a bad experience. And yeah, I, I certainly hope that, uh, you know, future great cups, we, we can get a true radio broadcast, but I mean, for the reasons Morley mentioned for the sake of, it's just, you need more information and we're, we're tasked with providing more information then the TV guys have to because of the presence of the cameras. Uh, you know, and, and, and again, I don't want to I don't want to pile on here. And, and, you know, I think you can do both. I, I really do. I think you can have a national broadcast and you can still have your home radio uh, do a broadcast as well. I know some of the press boxes are a little bit limited in the Canadian Football League. But, you know, heck, I, I think one of my favorite memories is, you know, the 97th Grey Cup game here in Calgary, you know, 2009. Uh, the Riders, of course, the infamous 13th uh, man, you know, we, we basically got to host the national broadcast chorus radio did. I was the the national host for the pre and the post game show and the halftime show. And and what we did for that game, we brought in the broadcasters. So Rod Rod Peterson, who wasn't even you know part of the chorus family, he got to call half the game. And yeah. you know the, the Montreal play by play guy got to call half the game. And and, and I I thought that was even a better setup than what we have today. Yeah, shout out Rick Moffat for doing the other yes. half of that game. Right. I right. am with you 100. When you think of what ESPN does for, for folks who, who maybe aren't big college football fans, when it comes to like the college football national championship, you can get the regular feed. You can get a feed where four coaches are sitting around talking about it. You can get the home radio feed on TV. You can get the away feed. You can get the home like uh, ridiculous super fans feed. Like there's so many options for, for listening. And I, and I get, we're talking about two different companies with different sure. interests and stuff, but yeah, there's, I just think there's, there's got to be a way that that uh, and it's not even it's not even honestly morally I assume Bill's saying not even really about Morley and I it's about the fans getting the the best product they can if they choose to to join us on radio and and um, and TV and let's not forget that. that. Let's not forget the sponsors as well. Those those sponsors who sponsor radio stations and teams all season long, and all of a sudden their sponsorship when you get to the biggest game of the year is non-existent because you're not doing the game. Yeah, and yeah, people if people shudder at that, they're like, oh, it's not about money. Well, it, our companies like like the money they make too, and <laughs> and we like to be. These are companies we like to be affiliated with, and people deserve the deserve to be on a great cup broadcast. I would love to be uh, giving all the love to Princess Auto Blue Bomber Football on uh, 
on the Chorus Radio Network, you know, expanding it out that way. That'd be amazing for Sunday, but not to be. We are we are going to break down the game a little bit later on here on the podcast, guys. And and Morley, you sort of set it off, uh, you know, with, with one of your your favorite Grey Cup memories. Uh, uh, let's go around the table here because I, I, I've I've been fortunate enough to to cover like fifty. I, I did a, a quick math this morning, and I've I've done fifteen Grey Cup games. Not all as a broadcaster. I was part of the Calgary Grey Cup committee, and let me tell you, I've got some stories I can tell and some stories I can't tell from my my, my Grey Cup experiences. I, I I've been able to cover you know or at least go to Grey Cup. Uh, weekends in in every CFL city except except Hamilton. I have not been to uh, Hamilton for a Grey Cup. So, uh, Morley, how many Grey Cups have you covered? Uh, I've been to, I think I've covered about five, not a lot. Uh, my first one was uh, the Rocket Ishmael uh, uh, Toronto Argonauts win in Winnipeg. The Rocket looks for a hole. If he gets to the outside this time, he's gone. Goodbye. The Rocket delivers the Million Dollar Man. Provides cause for celebration among the Toronto Argonaut owners. An 87-yard kickoff return. Uh, and uh, that's that's pretty memorable for the circus that surrounded that team that year with, with John Candy and, and Wayne Gretzky and Bruce McNall and everything. So uh, that was the, the first one that I went to and covered. I've been to one in uh, a couple in Vancouver, uh, of course, a couple in Edmonton as well uh, in the last uh, 12 years since since uh, I, I came back and started doing uh, doing coverage of the Elks. So uh, not a lot. I was in Calgary in 2019 as well. So uh, it's it's completely different. I, I, I Nothing, you know, I, I the thing that the games to me don't stand out as much as as the atmosphere and the fun mm-hmm. during the week stands out. Uh, I particularly remember Calgary uh, and and because the weather was so great in Calgary in 2019 and uh, you know that outside area they had you know and we're doing a show there and people were coming up and we're talking the costumes everything was just was just fantastic. But there, if, if it's just there's just something special about the week that leads up to it and and I, I know there's there's people even who who go to Great Cup week but then go home Sunday morning because they don't stay for the game. They, you know, because that's probably the most expensive part of the week. Uh, they enjoy, they enjoy the parties and, and they head to the spirit of Edmonton room and uh, they do all sorts of things and, th- and then go home and watch the game, which is not a bad idea actually, when you think about it, if, if you're not working at it. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of great memories. I, I do have one iconic picture uh, and I, I, to me, it, uh, it, it wraps up the CFL. I'm trying to remember the jerseys involved. I was walking down the street in Calgary going to the uh, the outdoor area and uh, I walked by a bar and I looked to the bar and there's three guys sitting at the bar and their backs were to me and they all had jerseys on one guy had a Ron Lancaster jersey on one guy had a Travis Lule jersey on and one guy had a JC Sherrod jersey on and they're all sitting together and they're talking and I said that's a great cup right there that's a great cup right there. Everybody from from different generations all coming together to talk about the game and to have a little fun. I'll share my favorite parties in a minute, but uh, my favorite Grey Cup experience was actually Grey Cup 100 in, in Toronto. And, you know, Toronto always gets ripped, you know, as a terrible city. You should never host games in Toronto. They don't know how to uh, embrace the Grey Cup championship game. Grey Cup 100 in 2016 
that city really did embrace the championship. You know, it was it was it was a big number. Um, you know, the, the fact that they had the train tour all week long, they had, you know, lots of celebration events all the way through uh, downtown. It didn't hurt that the Calgary Stampeders were in that game, and so were the Toronto Argonauts. And, of course, uh, Ricky Ray and the Argos uh, upset the Calgary Stampeders. You know, the, the, the league took heat for, for bringing in Justin Bieber. Hey, we, we know that you got a whole bunch of older people watching the Canadian Football League. I thought it was brilliant for the Canadian Football League to bring in Justin Bieber. And, and fans booed him, and I'm going... Shame on you, fans. You know, he was one of the biggest names, biggest acts in Canada, and, and they did that. So I, I just thought, you know, from a, from a Grey Cup experience, a Grey Cup week, I, I really thought Toronto did a bang-up job in, in 2016. So that, that, that's, my, that's one of my, my – and we got to broadcast the game, too. We, we opened this conversation about uh, uh, not being able to broadcast. Well, Mark Steven, Greg Peterson, myself, uh, we were there in, in Sky Dome and, and obviously got to broadcast, so that was kind of, uh, kind of fun as well. Uh, Derek Taylor, how many, how many uh, Grey Cups have you been to, and you got any uh, good memories? Uh, 17, 18, 19. This is number four for me, covering it. Uh, and I, I was thinking about it because, uh, you know, I was 17 in Ottawa. I was able to stand on the field and, and watch that that game as Toronto risk ripping up these 100-yard touchdowns in the massive upset of Calgary. And, oh, hey, there's Shania playing on the dog sled. It was pretty cool. But uh, at 2018, standing next to, to Henry Burris for the game in Edmonton as uh, – Ottawa comes on a third and five or whatever, and I, I with six minutes to go, and I said, I said to Henry, I'm like, oh no, they can't punt the ball here; they got to go for it. And Henry said, oh no, you you punt in this situation, and then Calgary just ran the clock out on them. Just ne- I don't think ever gave them the ball back with any meaningful time left. And I was like, yes, for eight second for two seconds of my life, I'm in this exact situation, two <laughs> percent smarter than a, than a Hall of Fame quarterback. So you know, you get a little pride in that. This this is the big one for me though. Um, 2017 uh, Grey Cup, I'd, I'd started doing uh, the details segment for TSN in 2016. And, you know, you do it from a studio in Toronto and you don't know if anybody really watches it or anything like that. But uh, I did it for 2017 as well. And I'd done a couple on the Calgary Stampeders. And through kind of charting every play in the CFL, I, I'd, I'd kind of been drawn to Micah Johnson, the then Calgary Stampeders defensive tackle as Oh, this guy's a game-changing monster. So I wanted to meet him, and I wanted to talk to him. So the the Calgary Stampeders media guy walked me over to Micah, who was sitting on a couch on on uh, you know their media day, and, and he says, "Micah, this is uh, Derek Taylor from TSN." Micah, in his like, springs his enormous body up from his couch, puts like, you can imagine defensive tackle-sized hands. Like Micah is a big, strong dude. He puts two hands on each one on each of my shoulders. And looks me in the eye, and I, I just don't know what's about to happen. And he goes, "Yours are the only numbers I'll ever listen to. You, <laughs> you did a great job with me." And and you can imagine, well, I mean, it's it's a self-serving story, but you can imagine what that meant to me. Of this guy who's a super elite player in the CFL knows what I do and and cares about what I do. That was a real that was a real blessing a blessing moment for me. So uh, that's that's one that I'll I'll never forget. And Micah is such a good dude. And yeah, he's been willing to share kind of how how football works with me throughout the years and we have good conversations. So yeah, that's a great cup memory that I'll never forget. Uh, we are all professionals, so I, I don't want to get too much into the partying, but I, I can share some stories. As I, as I mentioned, um, you know, I was part of the Calgary Grey Cup Committee for a number of years, 2004 in Ottawa. And if, if you guys ever want to uh, get to know some ladies in the bar, what you do is you take a miniature horse 
into all the bars. So at the Calgary Grey Cup Committee, we had a miniature horse, and we would take it bar to bar to bar, and the ladies would eat that up, guys. Uh, let me tell you, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a go-to if you want to meet the ladies in Ottawa. And, and I still remember the story, Dallas Mullaney, uh, if you know Alberta, the Mullaney family, good chuck wagon family, Dallas was the son, and he, he rode this horse up the stairs into this bar, and this bar had like a low roof, and this horse goes right into the bar, and, and that's a good horseman that can do that, and the bar just ate it up. It was, it was brilliant stuff, and of course, the Calgary Great Cup Committee was, uh, was on fire that week. So uh, that, that story stands out for me. I, I do remember the best party city, and when, when I went there, and, and again, I, I was a broadcaster, but I was also having a little too much fun. I went to the 96 Grey Cup game in Montreal. You guys know Montreal is a good city. Montreal is a fun mm-hmm. city. You can have a lot of fun. And, and I was there with a couple of my lawyer buddies, uh, Jim Rose, Dominic Venturo. And when you're hanging out with a couple of lawyers, they like to, they like to rock and roll a little bit. So I, I, won't, I won't get too detailed about the stories we got into, but let me just say Montreal was a great, great atmosphere city. But I, I, I do think... My favorite Grey Cup story, 1992. Didn't go to the game, but that was when Larry Rickman was the owner of the Calgary Stampeders. Stampeders win the championship. Larry Rickman holds this party with the Grey Cup, all the players, all the sponsors, the top of the Calgary Tower. We drank so much damn booze, I, I, I think I killed a few brain cells. I'm, I'm still not sure Larry Rickman ever paid his tab for that. I've heard rumors that maybe he didn't. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, that was so much fun. The players were having fun. Flutie was there. We were all drinking out of the cup. It was just, uh, it, was, it was a complete gong show. So that was probably my favorite uh, Grey Cup party. Uh, did you guys want to share any stories, Morley? I, you know what? I, I, I don't really, I, nothing really comes to mind. Uh, I can't match what you just said, so I don't even know why I want to even try. Uh, you, you, you talked, I imagine Montreal would be great uh, oh, yes. for a great cup. I've never been to one there, but I imagine, uh, I imagine it would be great for, for a great cup. Um, and I mean, you talked about it, the, the old phrase, right? When you go to Montreal as a, as a football team, you don't lose to the Alouettes, you lose to Crescent Street, right? That's the old saying in the Canadian Football League. So I guess you're living proof of that. It is so true true and, and you guys are professionals i i'm not really a professional for goodness sakes you know it's it's totally it's totally different from that standpoint derek any any other stories so i'm locked out of my hotel room naked and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> i knock on brent johnson's door i didn't know it was brent johnson's door but there's the all canadian superstar no i i, I yeah there, there's there's little ones nothing nothing quite as good to uh to roll with that so i'm, I'm very uh <laughs> very impressed that's a good one <laughs> uh, there are some naked stories uh, from peter mard days when he was uh, when he was hosting the uh, uh, play-by-play for the calgary <laughs> flames but I, I won't go down that uh, won't go down that path as well uh, so great cup week is underway and the coaches news conference was held the question wasn't asked because terry jones I noticed that wasn't there and and it, it just goes to to show how it's changed in the Canadian. I remember when the Calgary Sun, Post Media, they used to send, you know, 10 or 11 journalists to the, to the game. And, you know, like Danny Austin is not there. And uh, Morley, you're not there. And I'm not there. I'm just wondering uh, how many media guys are there, Derek? Uh, there are a ton. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, there, there are a bunch. Um, there's uh, two different ones from the Winnipeg Sun, two different from the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh there's two of us from CJOB and uh, a, a few from Global will join us as well. Like there, 
there was a real good uh, turnout for the Bombers plane landing. And uh, yeah, I mean, Dan Ralph does terrific work for Canadian press. And you, you heard a lot of different voices uh, in the media asking okay. questions of the coaches on Wednesday morning. So yeah, no, I, I think that the turnout so far, and it was, it's only Wednesday, it was only Wednesday morning. So right. I think more will even filter in. Should the question I watched been... a lot of it online. I watched it online, and I was surprised at how many different voices I heard asking questions. Yeah. And that's good news because that means there's still a lot of interest uh, in the media media ranks to, to cover it, which is which is great. As far as the question goes, mm-hmm. I have it on good authority that it was discussed and kiboshed by the media uh, who were in attendance. So Fair enough. I guess uh, I guess God. the tradition, <laughs> the tradition, and the era of that question comes to an end. Yeah, and 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 I think we all know the history of the question. Question and the question does get a little old after the while, and, and sooner or later the coaches. What, what are they supposed to say, right? What are they? Yeah. And, and if people don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the sex question, and I'll just uh, uh, I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. Um, should we talk about the game, or should we talk about uh, quarterbacks first? Bo Levi Mitchell, Nathan Rourke, or do you want to talk about? Let, let's talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, uh, the percentage of Bo Levi Mitchell signing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats: zero percent, fifty percent, one hundred percent. What do you think, Morley? I'll go uh, 50% plus because um, uh, I, I do believe no matter what everybody says publicly, I don't think the Ticats make this trade without some kind of uh, inclination that he's at least going to listen to them and going to talk to them and they have a chance to sign him before free agency. If they make him the right deal, uh, there's no use waiting for free agency. But I'm also of a belief that Bo Mitchell is going to do what's best for him, mm-hmm. and that means he's going to sign with a team that has a coach he likes, an offensive coordinator he likes, receivers he likes, and may, maybe most importantly, an offensive line that he likes. So uh, that has to be in place, I think, or at least the promise of that has to be in place before he would he would sign with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I think he might get to market but might end up signing in Hamilton anyway. I mean, the Ticats, you, you don't give up what they gave up uh, in a couple of draft picks and possibly more if they sign him to, to not really make him a big offer and, and kind of make him the king of Hamilton. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I got to believe it's... it's uh, 50% plus that he'll end up in, in Hamilton, but I wouldn't discount uh, uh, him him going somewhere else as well. I think there's there's still a chance. I thought that if Toronto lost in the Eastern final, he'd be a shoe-in to go to Toronto, but I don't see that happening yeah. now with with, uh, with uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson getting the Argos to the game. I, I would agree with that, and I, I think 50, 50% plus is, is probably a good answer. Uh, Derek, what do you think? Yeah, I think Bo kind of has to say, well, I still want to investigate free agency because – he, he, I mean, he's he is going to be a free agent, and as much as a new team owns your rights, uh, you still you still want to maximize your dollars if you're going to play some football, right? So, hey, maybe if it does get a couple more couple more dollars or a couple more favorable terms for you, then it then it was worthwhile as a as a negotiating tactic. But you, Morley's right; like as, you're not giving up assets for on on a total whim. You have to at least believe. Uh, very strongly, you could convince Bo to stay. And I mean, I how he thinks he fits in that offense. Like that that offense. Like Stephen Dunbar is still going. Tim White led the league in targets, and Braylon Addison is the one of the most versatile weapons in the Canadian Football League. If he's you know back healthy next season after the torn Achilles, it's a real real nice uh, place to start. Uh, you have David Beard, one of the elite centers in the Canadian Football League. Revenberg, Brandon Revenberg, the left guard, who is up for offensive lineman of the year like there's a real good foundation in offense and that defense i don't know i honestly don't know and i want to investigate the offseason how they only won eight games but that team is has 
solid from a personnel standpoint. So, and they won 15 games, you know, the season mm-hmm. ago. So uh, that's a that's a nice landing spot for Bo. And uh, yeah, I I I kind of doubt he does make it a free agency because Hamilton already spent some, and uh, you know they have a chance to get an elite quarterback uh, and move on from the Dane Evans uh, show. Uh, yeah, I. I think I, I go even higher than fifty percent, like seventy-five, eighty percent. That that Bo ends up in Hamilton. So, so we and if history tells us anything, uh, I mean, go back over the last ten years. I think it's happened twice in the last ten years before this trade, and that was Nick Arbuckle traded from Calgary to Ottawa, and they signed him. And before that, Michael Riley from the from the Lions uh, to Edmonton, and they ended up signing him as well before he got to free agency. So, mm-hmm. it's happened before, and it, this is usually the way it, it pans out. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that 100%. Okay, Nathan Rourke is going to explore the NFL window, and and, and good on him, and, uh, you know, I, I think he's as good as gone, personally. Uh, so I'll just throw that up there, a similar question. Uh, what are the chances that Nathan Rourke is back with the BC Lions? 0%, 10%, 50%? Uh, you go first this time, Derek. Uh, I'm going to say 33.7%. <laughs> I, I, like, is Nathan Rourke, just th- think of it in this way. Uh, each each NFL team carries two or three quarterbacks. Is he one of the 96 best quarterbacks in North America, in the world? Uh, based on what we saw this year, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there, sh- there should be the interest in it from the, uh, from the NFL because he's also young enough and he fits into modern-day NFL offenses. Will and I and honestly believe some team that will look at this and go, can we give him seventy five thousand dollars to come to camp? I'm just picking numbers here. Can we give him a hundred thousand dollars to come to camp? Something that will be worth it for him? Because uh, I can't imagine Rourke and his agents are, are going. Yeah, if they just give me ten grand to to wait around and invite me to camp, that that I'll go. I I just don't believe that'll happen. I agree. So yeah, I think some team's going to come with a real offer, uh, and because I mean. Young enough, the NCAA pedigree, and that cat was going to throw for six thousand yards and forty-five touchdowns in the CFL this year. That's you can't overlook that with the way, and especially the way he did it. Morley, I, I think the the big signing bonus has to come, and that will m- not only give him the money, but it will also tell him that that team's going to give me a chance. Because if someone's going to spend a hundred grand on you for a signing bonus, they're going to have to give you a chance in training camp. So that's what he needs more than anything else. Because I think. Becoming a quarterback in the NFL uh, from an undrafted position is very difficult because they spend so much money on on scouting. They spend so much money on the draft. They spend so much money on grooming the guys they do draft. It's pretty hard to bring a guy in, and nobody in the organization wants to bring a uh, an undrafted free agent from Canada in to 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 leapfrog some of the guys that the scouts have been working with for the last couple of years. So it's going to be very difficult, I think, for him to get that job without getting a, a big bonus and a commitment from a team that he's going to get an opportunity at training camp on the chances of him being in the CFL. They're probably better. He's here in September than in, uh, in June of next year. Okay. Let's get back to a great cup one Oh nine. This, uh, this weekend, the Argos can beat the bombers. If finish the sentence, Derek Taylor, I'm going to put you on the spot. The Argos can beat the bombers. If, if uh, Zach Kolaris has the game he had in the Western final, I think the, the Argos can beat the Bombers. Uh, Zach threw an interception in the end zone in the second quarter. But in that first quarter, he had two other passes. One that TJ Lee, uh, it was TJ Lee, uh, could have taken for a pick six had he just made the catch. And it was a very catchable ball for Lee with the break he had on it. Uh, Manny Ragamba had another dropped interception in that first quarter. 
And then there was a, a play where Kolaris, I, and I don't remember what the reasons were, but he was late in getting the ball to Nick Dembski in the end zone, and Gary Peters was able to go come across and get a hand on it. If those are, let's, let's just on some numbers, about two thirds of the interceptable passes in the Canadian Football League are actually intercepted. If that becomes a hundred percent of Zach's interceptable balls are intercepted against the Argos, and he puts three up, that's that's going to be a real problem because that Toronto defense is for real. And the offense, if Brandon Banks is going to go like he did in the Eastern final. With Brandon Banks back for it. And he is chased back and lets it hop. And into the end zone it goes. As he will take a knee. Or will he? Now he's looking to bring it up. Brandon Banks. Nice little play there against the Alouette cover team. And he makes something of it. Uh, can can make some hay. So, yeah, if if Kolaris plays the way he played last week, then Toronto can win. Yeah, the Argos can beat the Bombers if they stop Oliveria and, and stop that running game because I, I think that could be a real big factor in this game. Morley Scott, Argos can beat the Bombers if? Absolutely everything goes right for them on the day. They, they, might, they might need a defensive touchdown. They might need a special teams touchdown. Yeah. They're going to need a perfect game on offense. They're going to have to take advantage of every opportunity they give you. The Bombers won't give you many chances, and the Argos can't let those chances slip through their fingertips. If, if they get a turnover, if, uh, if uh, they make a big play, they got to be able to punch it in. They can't settle for field goals, uh, and they have to make sure they take advantage of everything that's given to them. Uh, I'm... I'm big in the Bombers camp this week, and I think yeah. I think that uh, the Argos will absolutely have to have an absolutely perfect game, and the stuff that Derek just said about Kolaris not playing up to Kolaris standard will have to happen too. The Bombers will beat the Argos because... Morley, you go first. Uh, the Bombers will beat the Argos if they play the game. <laughs> Unless the game is canceled, I I don't see uh, I don't see it going any other way. Uh, I like I said I'm 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 big on the Bombers in this one. I mean they're just they're just so good in every aspect of the game, uh, the pass game, the run game, defense is lights out. Uh, they win except maybe in kicking, and that's kind of debatable. They pretty much check off every box uh, in this game going into it. And uh, Legio has his misses, but he's been a little bit more consistent in field goals. And, he, you know, he had the convert misses, but he hit the field goals last week. So uh, I, I, I think the Bombers, to me, it's a shoe-in for Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think the, the Bombers obviously complete the dynasty, make it uh, three in a row. They're just a better team, man for man. I, as I said off the top, I, I hope I hope the Argos can pull off the upset. I'd love to see the upset. I just don't think we're going to see it this weekend. So Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers. The Bombers beat the Argos because? Uh, except for in the back six on defense, I think they have a significant advantage in every position group. Okay, well, special teams as well. I think Toronto may be a little better in that. But, yeah, offensive line, receivers, quarterback, I think they have a, a huge advantage. Uh, running back is probably pretty close, but Oliveira did look real good in that Western final. However, Harrison will elect. That one's probably pretty close. Mm -hmm. Defensive front with Jackson Jeffcoat going alongside Willie Jefferson and the rotation they can put inside, I think, is a little better than the not 100% healthy uh, Argos front six. On the back six, uh, it's, I mean, Winnipeg has some weak spots, right? Winston Rose was real good in the Western final, but has had some trouble and gotten taken on some deep balls. Uh, Jamal Parker and Desmond Lawrence don't have a ton of experience together. And Desmond Lawrence, this will be his third game in blue and gold on that field side. He's, he's played real well in his first two games, but 
we'll, we'll see. Uh, Alden Darby is the dimebacker who was released by Hamilton earlier in the season. Um, uh, released or traded for? Uh, I have, gosh, I probably should have that in line before I start doing <laughs> broadcasts on Sunday. Uh, but there, there are some weak spots in the Bombers secondary, which could be taken. So, yeah, just for like you guys have been saying, the, the Bombers are, are better in so many spots and they have stars with the experience in this, you know, in the Grey Cup. Big Hill's chasing a fourth Grey Cup. Greg Ellingson's going to be playing in his is he playing in his sixth Grey Cup, uh, in his fifth Grey Cup, excuse me. But he's, he's been to six, uh, a ton of experience and the quarterback and, and, and. They, they deserve to be significant favorites if Kolaris is healthy enough to play. There are some interesting storylines. You know, I, I love the storyline of Andrew Harris, you know, going back against his former team looking for his, uh, you know, third straight championship. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the biggest advantage is knowing them so well. Um, obviously, they're you know, doing some different things uh, throughout the year, but... Uh, you know, just knowing their process, understanding you know what, what's what's coming at us, and uh, you know I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the opportunity. Excited for uh, what's ahead of us, and you know it's the biggest the biggest dance and uh, the biggest game, and you know playing playing my former team. So um, it's just exciting, exciting one for sure. Love the Jagarad Davis story. The sixth straight Grey Cup uh, appearance. You know, three different teams: three with Calgary, two with Hamilton, one with Toronto. And you know, you you, you just you, you love that story. Pete Costanza, you know, one of the coaches. He's he's now coaching in five of the last six Grey Cup appearances. Those are those are some of the Toronto storylines. Morley, I, I, I love all of those storylines. Yeah, they're all good. Uh, the mystery to me is why Jaguar Davis isn't a hotter hotter uh, commodity on free agency day because he's a guarantee, right? You got to you got to fork out the money for him, and you're going to the Grey Cup. So yeah, there is there is good storylines, and the one we'll probably hear most about is at the running back spot. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, with Harris moving to Toronto, and then the troubles he had this year with injury, but then coming back and playing pretty well in the Eastern Final. And and uh, I to me, and I know Derek and I have talked about this before. Brady Oliveira is probably the best story uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This year, at least one of them, because of the way he started the year, because of the pressure on him, because of the expectations, and then he ends up getting a thousand yards, hundred and whatever, twenty, thirty yards in the uh, in the Western Final. They haven't let any slip away. Oliveira right up the middle. Oliveira down inside the fifteen, still going. He's he's been so good for them, and and I know I did an interview with him in in Winnipeg when when the Elks were there early uh, in October, and he got talking about he couldn't wait for the cold weather. He's a guy who relishes playing in this kind of weather, so uh, give him the football and see what he can do. That that to me will be probably the biggest storyline and the one that people will focus on is uh, more than obviously the three in a row is, is a big story. Too. Sure, Derek. Maybe the storyline is Zach Caleros. We all saw what happened in the Western Final late in that game. You know, Zach goes down with a little bit of an ankle injury gets taped up can't re can't finish that game you know so far so good this week it doesn't look like it's a story issue but do you have any inside dirt for us yeah he i mean he looked good getting off the plane but yeah it's it's it, it's his uh it's his right foot right so it, uh, it, God, again i have to it is early in the morning for me so it, i mean for a guy who Kolaris is by far the league leader in when plays break down in achieving yardage and touchdowns, right? When he's under pressure and forced to scramble out of the pocket, he hits big plays. If he's limited in that, he's still elite in some other categories, but his his ability when plays get out of structure is incredible. And one of the reasons that, that he's going to win the MLP for a second straight year. So if that's in any way limited, that takes away then some of what Dalton Schoen has been able to bring this season and Greg Ellingson has been able to bring this season. So, so yeah, it's, that's going to be absolutely critical. And then 
that that leads to an interesting storyline of pretend there's a world in which Kalaros is unable to play in the Grey Cup mm. and Drew Brown has to take over. Well, the coach on the other side of the field knows exactly what that's like because the 2007 Grey Cup, Ryan Dinwiddie had to start because the game before, Kevin Glenn broke his arm, who was then the Bombers starter. You go, oh, man, that's that's some parallel construction that I don't want to see, but wouldn't it be kind of neat if it did, if it did happen? Well, it's 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 going to be a great game, and and you know what? I I do I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Would you agree with that, guys? Because you know I I, I do think Toronto is going to come to play, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to a to a one possession game. Because I, I I as much as I think the Bombers are going to win this game, I do think the Argos. You know they're well coached. They've got a, a pretty good defense. You know maybe Andrew Harris uh, you know gets a touchdown. Maybe they get a defensive touchdown, as Morley was mentioning earlier. I, I don't see a blowout. Would you agree? Morley? Uh, I I don't see. Uh, I'm calling if, if this is the time we give our scores. Uh, I'm calling 24-13 Winnipeg a okay. two score game, but a close two score game. A game you know that that field goal to make it a two uh, a two score game may come in the last you know three or four minutes uh, for the Bombers. But I, I I see it as close for the most part. But Winnipeg in control for uh, much of the game, most of the game, much like uh, the game against the BC Lions. It's close. Mm-hmm. But there was never really any doubt that Winnipeg was going to win the game in my mind, and I think it's it's going to go the same way uh, on on Grey Cup Sunday with with the Bombers winning and you know never really being in doubt. It's not going to be a big blowout, but I don't think the game the game will go any other way but to Winnipeg. Okay, we'll give the final word to you, uh, Mr. Taylor. Uh, I would go something to the effect of thirty four sixteen for the Bombers. I, I think it, it actually could That's be. That's a blowout. Yeah. It, it, it is a blow. Uh, <laughs> it, it absolutely could be because uh, the meeting these two teams played in week number four, it it was only kept from going to overtime because Boris Beattie missed a convert at the end of the game, or else that game goes to overtime. And then I don't know who has the advantage because the Bombers had to score an offensive point in about four hours by the time that game would have gone to overtime. Uh, just Winnipeg is so much better since then, and the offense is so much better since then. That was before Brady really took off, as, as Morley talked about. And, I mean, Zach just started throwing touchdown after touchdown. Uh, Winnipeg, four wins better. Point differential so much better than Toronto. I, I absolutely think they can, they can run and hide in, in this game. And I think it's, it's maybe the most likely circumstance that, that Winnipeg wins by multiple scores. Well, as you said off the top, you know, seeing a dynasty three in a row is maybe not a bad thing for the Canadian Football League. Guys, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. And uh, uh, we'll dissect it next week on our final uh, show of the season. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Have a good week, Derek. And that, Thanks, does it. and that does it for another edition of Football North. Thanks so much for listening in. I'd uh, love to hear your feedback. Maybe you have a topic uh, idea for the show. You can always hit me up. Jock at am770chqr.com.